Hey, Unnaturalists, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome back to another episode of Unnatural, your favorite true crime podcast. Thanks. Good to be here. Oh, you weren't welcoming me back. You were welcoming the listeners back. Yeah. Gotcha. Suddenly, I do not feel welcome anymore. You should, though, because, I mean, this might be a little less entertaining if it's just me talking to myself. So I have to just kind of accept that you're here listening to me babble on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready to go. What do we got this week? Well, this week, what was supposed to be a sunny beach vacation during the summer of 2004 turned tragic when a young couple was found dead on a small coastal beach in Northern California. The case received nationwide attention but remained unsolved with no leads for many years. At a press conference in 2017, would change everything. This is the story of Lindsay Cutchell and Jason Allen. Jason both grew up in the Midwest. Shout out. Lindsay was originally from Fresno, Ohio, and Jason grew up in Zeeland, Michigan. They had met in 2002 while Lindsay was studying at the Appalachian Bible College in West Virginia. They got engaged six weeks later. Wow, that's quick. Yeah, and they had planned to get married in the fall of 2004. So both of them also worked as counselors and river guides at Rock and Water, which was a Christian camp in um, El Dorado County, California. I'm imagining like they're like playing this Christian rock music as as you're on the water, rocking on the water. I would imagine so too. <laughs> Like, they're just, like, going whitewater rafting and just, like, screaming smoke on the water Praise or something. Praise the Lord! <laughs> then, on August 14th, 2004, the couple had planned on a three-day road trip down the coast because the camp was over and they wanted to do some sightseeing before they went back home. Credit card receipts showed that they had stopped at the Golden Gate Bridge, Alcatraz, Fisherman's Wharf and witnesses also reported seeing them in several small towns uh, like Sebastopol and Forestville. I hope I said that right. That day as well. So kind of the all the touristy things yeah, that you would just, do on the yeah, like, Northern California coast. Right. Like as one does. So later that night, which was Saturday, it's speculated that the couple went to a local motel and restaurant called River's End, but they weren't able to get a room. I I think it was like all fold up. And even though sleeping on the beach was technically illegal, they must have decided that one night couldn't hurt and they decided just to camp out on the beach for the night. So, So kind of gerrymandering things in their own favor. Yeah. You know, just... They were just like, well, one night. Who's going to know? Who's going to know? You know, 
which I would too. Yeah, I actually did that myself once in Northern California. You criminal. We um we stayed on a logging road. We camped right off of a logging road in the redwoods. Mm. One of the most beautiful like nights of my life. Just amazing. I want to go to Northern California. I've never really oh. been. I've been to LA yeah. and like San Diego and kind of like all that around there. Yeah. See, I've never been to Southern California, only the northern part. Yeah. Which I would take northern over southern in a heartbeat. Yeah. So they made their way down to Fish Head Beach for the night. Uh, Jason and Lindsay left their Ford, red Ford Tempo on a pull-off site. And then they just kind of had their bags and stuff that they brought down to the beach. And on the beach, they found a visitor's entry log, which if you don't know, it's just kind of a little notebook that people leave behind where anybody Say who where comes you're a- from. Yeah. Maybe a little message, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, So you just kind of like record who you are, that you were there, blah, blah, blah. And Jason wrote, quote, as I stir this mac and cheese, I think to myself, what a wonderful life. I know. He continued. I've just spent two awesome days with my fiance, Lindsay. Can life ever be so perfect? Only with a person who is so great. God gives me this privilege in life, and he has given me a wonderful woman to enjoy it with. End quote. Which is so... Sounds like a happy guy. Yeah. They they were, like, by all accounts, just super in love. You know, they were just, like, a young couple. They were, like, in their early, like, mid-early 20s at this point in time. And Lindsay... Eating mac and cheese on the beach. Eating mac and cheese on the beach. Just being in love. Watching the sun go down, probably. And Lindsay also wrote in the log, she said, quote, The sun is going down in the horizon. All I see is the beams shining on the cliff face. And I know that God is awesome. I look around and I see his creation all around me. End quote. Which, like, I'm crying because I know what happens next. Yeah. Family and friends grew concerned that the couple had not turned back up at the camp by Sunday because Lindsay was due to fly home a week later to begin wedding planning. I mean, I think Jason was supposed to fly home, too, but there were some conflicting reports that she was going to fly home and then maybe he was going to come home a couple days later just to tie things up at the camp. Um But they were planning on getting married in just a couple months. So I think she just like wanted to get a head start on the planning. Right. Um, And then their friends at the camp ended up filing a missing persons report on Monday, August 16th. Then three days later on Wednesday, August 18th, police received a 911 call saying that a man was stranded on a cliff above Fishhead Beach. The local sheriff's office dispatched a helicopter to find and help the man when they spotted the the bodies of 22-year-old Lindsay and 26-year-old Jason lying on the beach. The couple were each in their respective sleeping bags, and it appeared that someone had approached them while they were sleeping and shot them both in the head. Oh, my God. Just cold-blooded like that. Yeah. So, um, murder-suicide was very quickly ruled out. They determined that none of the couple's belongings had been taken, which also ruled out robbery, and neither of them had been sexually assaulted. So, police were wondering if maybe a drifter had come across them and killed them, then left the area. But, like, you would think, you would think even if it was a drift, like, it's it seems so random that, like, all of their belongings were there, like, their money, their yeah. credit cards. They didn't take anything. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah, that definitely rules out the robbery and 
I mean, I, I can't think of what the motive would be here. Right. So despite trying their best to investigate, detectives and police really had no leads. After an autopsy, it was determined that the weapon used to shoot them was a 45 caliber Marlin model 1984, which is a long rifle. Um, and at first, police did not disclose this information because they wanted to eliminate any false leads. Um, mm -hmm. But this rifle is not super common, especially in like cityscapes type, like yeah. this type of area, especially because it's a very high caliber. A lot of times it's used by um, like ranchers, mm -hmm. that type of thing. And it's also um, like hand loaded and there were also no shell casings found at the scene so it was obvious hmm. that the killer collected them so was it determined if they were shot at close range or long range or do we not know i don't know time? okay i think because i i think that's more of a long range weapon that's why i ask so yeah but i think actually well okay so it's never explicitly said but later on We'll find some things out that I think it was it was close range. Like the like the the killer was not like a mile down the beach and just like right. saw them and shot them. Okay. Okay. So in May of two thousand six, twenty one months after they were killed, the Sonoma County Sheriff's detectives released new evidence in the case, which they hoped would generate some new leads. This evidence would be the visitor's log, and they had also found a 40-ounce bottle of beer and drawings left on pieces of driftwood near where the couple were killed. Uh, this beer was significant because it had come from Wisconsin and was no longer made at that point in time, and um, it's definitely an uncommon find in California. So the police were also offering a $50,000 reward for any information, but the case remained cold. No really good leads came from releasing this information. And it wasn't until May 5th, 2017, that the Sonoma County Sheriff's Office announced that they would be holding a press conference regarding a major development in the case. What, what year did you say? I'm sorry. 2017. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is... Um, 13 years later? Yeah. Wow. So it was kind of a... It was a rather short press, press conference. And during it, you know, the, they like thank this entity and that entity and blah, blah, blah. But kind of the meat and potatoes of the press conference was this. They said, quote... The sheriff's office has identified Sean Gallen, a 38-year-old resident of Forestville, California, as Jason and Lindsay's killer. 
Gallen was recently arrested for the murder of his brother in their Forestville home. Gallen is well known to the Sheriff's Office investigators, and early on in the Jenner murder investigation, Gallen was a person of interest who detectives never ruled out as a possible suspect. So it sounds like he had been on their radar, but they didn't have enough evidence to arrest him. Yeah, it really sounds like he was very much on their radar from day one. So but then once he killed his brother, then they new evidence came to light? Yeah. Okay. Um, so then during um, the press conference, he continued, Upon Gallen's arrest for the murder of his brother, Sheriff's Office detectives took another opportunity to talk to him about the murders in Jenner. So when he said the Jenner murders, he's talking about Jason and Lindsay, that they just right. use that as like the location. Gallen made statements to the detectives with new information that he spontaneously confessed and additional investigative leads into the case. He had information about the killings that no other person could have known and we have located evidence that corroborates his information. Based on what detectives have been able to learn, we feel confident that we have Jason and Lindsay's killer in custody. Like we discussed, he had been on police's radar for quite some time. Uh, he had been arrested like half a dozen times at least for various crimes and was long known in the Russian River community as a, quote, troubled and isolated man with a reputation for odd behavior and poaching animals, end quote. Mm. So we hate it. Yeah, sounds like a real piece of shit. I, I thought about including this in here, um, but then I decided that I did not want to relive this tiny bit of information that I read, but just know that it involves a baby seal, okay? Oh, my fucking God. Okay. Yeah. And seals so, are cute. I don't care if they're mean when they... They are right. cute. Especially the baby ones with their big, like, little eyes. They remind me of water dogs. Because that's what they are. And then they just kind of, <laughs> like, flop on their are. bellies on the sand. Deputies actually encountered Shipbag Sean... Near, Ooh, I like that nickname. Yes, thank you. Um, they encountered him near a beach about a week after the killings, and he was wearing a camouflage jumpsuit and carrying a load. Can we just... Uh, so some of these barks, are, I can tell, are already going to make it in. So we should give like a little disclaimer right now. Excuse my dog. She is... There she is again. She is unhappy <laughs> being locked in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll be hearing from Echo throughout the episode. Well, the thing is, is like she can hear me talking. Yeah. And it's, she's getting irritated. Yeah. So they encountered him on a beach about a week after the killings wearing a camouflage jumpsuit with a loaded stolen gun in his pocket. And he was arrested and taken to jail. Because he was already a felon and not supposed to have guns, let alone stolen ones. Yeah. Okay. He's the last person who should have a gun, it sounds like. Yeah, and just wait until you see a picture of him. Just oh my God. creep like. I'm imagining it in my head right now. I'm going to see if it fits. Yeah. So while he was in jail for this weapons charge, he had a phone conversation with his father. And over the phone, he asked his father to get rid of his guns in his home. Guess what? His dad got rid of his guns. In his home. Oh, do do you not realize that they're monitoring and recording your calls? Like, <laughs> yeah, just we've 
we've seen this so many times in previous episodes. They what? They think that nobody's listening. They do because they're stupid. <laughs> so he asks his dad to get rid of the guns. His dad does, and kind of like in in the meantime, the detectives finally search his apartment, and in the apartment. They found a five-gallon tub filled with matchsticks, bullets, a foot-long section of lead pipe, fuse cords for explosives, clumps of hair, copious amounts of blood in the bathroom, and dead animals, including a large shark cut into pieces in the refrigerator, a wild turkey in the trash can. No guns, because his dad removed them. Oh, my God. This guy sounds like Timothy McVeigh or Ted Kaczynski or something. Like one of those just crazy guys that like lives out in the woods or something. Yeah, he definitely kind of gives Doomsday Prepper vibes. Like it's giving Doomsday Prepper meets like Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. Not a good combination. No. He eventually did admit to killing the couple, to killing Jason and Lindsay, along with shooting his brother Seamus in their family's home and a 2004 bombing that injured a woman in Montreal. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So he told detectives that he was, quote, uh, tormented by voices and demons and he had been drinking heavily the night of the murders as if that justifies it right um multiple psychologists had evaluated him and they all uh described sean as paranoid um a couple doctors evaluated him after his 2017 so this is kind of like before his arrest and then two doctors evaluated him after the arrest in 2017 and they described him as having schizotypical personality disorder i was just gonna say that he's got to be schizophrenic yeah which which is like some of these disorders are so strange because they don't show up until like early adulthood yeah um well and and a lot of the time schizophrenia yeah you're right doesn't show up until your 20s yeah Yeah. A different psychologist also um, assessed him in 2011 when he was applying for disability benefits. And that psychologist said that Gallen or that Sean had, quote, loose associations and bizarre thinking and that his reality is off. So he he would have difficulty keeping a job. Yeah. Does not sound like the type of guy who should probably have a bunch of firearms. No, certainly not. I'm just saying. Yeah. And over the years, he had told his family some he he managed to have girlfriends. Um, and he also told the detectives that he never felt the same after he took like a large dose of LSD when he was like 21. Mm. So maybe don't do psychedelics. Especially if you're schizophrenic. Yeah. But I don't think they knew about the schizophrenia at this point in time. Right. So, yeah, because one of the psychologists that was evaluating him said that having a bad experience with a psychedelic drug like LSD could, like, likely didn't cause this mental illness. 
to happen, that it was likely already developing. But it certainly didn't help. Yeah. After he took LSD and had a bad trip, he thought that a good thing for him to do to kind of start off his adult life would be to move to Oregon and start a family. But he said, quote, then one day this guy comes up and gives us his bottle of acid and then everything like exploded. And then he added, I went crazy. So he moved back to California with his family. Now, kind of going back to his childhood a little bit, Sean was kind of homeschooled and he never finished high school. And even his family seemed to be a little odd and they were really like reclusive. Um, Sean's father, David, ended up killing himself in 2013 Whoa. And sometime before, like, he shot himself, and sometime before that, he had confronted his son with a flyer seeking information about the murder weapon that was used to kill Lindsay and Jason. And he was like, did you do this? Like, was this you? Now, Sean said that he did not confess to his father, but later said that it was probably a reason contributing to why he decided to kill himself. So... Sean killed his brother after his father had already committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Is that right? In the t- Okay. Because I was wondering why his dad was still so cool with him. But okay, that makes sense. Like why he would hide, hide the guns and stuff like that. Yeah. It's funny. All of this, you know, all of these things you're describing about him. Like I said, not only should he have probably never owned firearms, this guy. Yeah. Definitely shouldn't have done psychedelic drugs either. I mean, this is just a terrible combination that ultimately, obviously, led to these murders. Yeah. So, okay. You remember when we were talking about the long range versus close range killing of Lindsay and Jason? Oh, yeah, with the with the rifle, yeah. Yeah, so buckle up because we're about to get into that. So, he, as he's confessing, this motherfucker said, basically, he blamed Lindsay and Jason for their deaths, what? stating that they were sleeping on the beach despite the fact that it was illegal. He said oh. that he was walking on the beach, saw them sleeping, shot Jason, Jason first, and then Lindsay woke up and sat up. And before she could say anything, he shot her, too. And he collected the casings and disposed of them in a blackberry bush on the side of the road. And he told, like, he told the detectives exactly where it was. And so when they went out there, they found an opened pop can containing seven casings, as well as pieces from a California State Park money envelope. He also blamed his brother for... For, him his, kill- for him murdering him. Yeah. So he said that he killed him because his brother held a grudge from when they, from when um, Sean hit him when they were kids. And he told detectives, quote, if Seamus would have just gotten over this, it never would have happened. Wow. Yeah. This fucking guy. Yeah. Yeah. So he's absolutely. So it's everybody else's fault, not his. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And. For for something as petty as illegally sleeping on a beach, you're going to murder two people? Yeah. But we all kind of, like, you know, we already established that he is not, you know, he's not all, he's not all there. He's a dangerous person. 
Anyway, in June of 2019, Sean entered a plea of no contest and was sentenced to serve three consecutive life terms without parole, plus another 94 years for the murders of Lindsay and Jason and then also the murder of his brother and the attempted murder in 2004, which we didn't really get into that. Um, yeah. I didn't go too deep into researching that, but it sounds just from what I am remembering, it sounds like, and he also blamed, like, he took no blame for himself on this, but it sounds like he just, like, he had an altercation with the person he was actually targeting. So he, because, like, the girl that, the woman that was injured in that mm -hmm. bombing wasn't his target. It was somebody else that he mm. just had like a petty vendetta Grievance against. With. Yeah. 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 It was something super stupid. Um, kind of like the whole thing with his brother. So yeah, yeah he will remain in prison for the rest of his life. It's crazy to think about how, somebody with a petty grievance like that, you know, because we all have these grievances every single day, hmm. whether you're at work and somebody uses your coffee creamer or somebody takes the parking spot you wanted or something, but you would never imagine that it would ultimately lead to your death, but it does all over the world. Yeah. People who can't handle their shit. On that note, if you hate my commentary, come tell us all about it on our social media pages. Do that on Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast, Facebook page, Unnatural a True Crime Podcast. Even send us an email about it, unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. Also, consider signing up for our Patreon page where you can get early access to ad-free episodes, uh, bonus content, and much more unless your name is Blitz. Uh, you're not welcome on our Patreon. <laughs> but be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, share us with your friends. But please be nice to us because even though I say I don't give a shit, I am actually a child and now I'm going to cry about this for the next oh. 25 minutes. Oh my Just God. Kidding. You, you can't let Blitz get to you. I stand Come by on. what I said with that little song. Let's blitz. be honest. There are only a few people in this world who I actually give a shit about their opinions. And like, if they said something mean to me about the podcast, I would cry and never open my laptop ever again. But luckily for you guys who are blitz still faithful listeners. Yes. Blitz is not one of them. Anyways, we will talk to you guys next week. But in the meantime, be sure to make good choices. And don't get got. Bye. Well, good thing that guy didn't find me when I was illegally camping in that on that logging road. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was in Northern California, and was it that would have been a year before. Yeah, it would have been. A, it was 2003. You narrowly escaped <laughs> death. Oh <my> God. <laughs> what, what was this guy's name again? Sean what? 
Gallon. G A L L O N. I have to look up his picture. Because you said he was weird. Oh my God! <laughs> you weren't kidding. No. Seals are cute. Except for that fucking seal that sang that kiss from a rose song. Oh, seal, the person. Got it. I was like, Baby! what? That's not a bad song, though. It just got overplayed. Yeah. I'll give you 20 bucks if you can tell me what movie soundtrack that was on. I'm, I'm guessing you've seen the movie. 1995. I will give you the name of a few of the actors, but okay. then it won't be 20 bucks anymore. It'll be 15? No, it'll be like five. Ten. Give uh, me one. Give me. Give me one actor. I could be mean and say one of the lesser known. Don't ones. do that. Jim Carrey. Nineteen ninety-five. Yeah, this was like prime Jim Carrey. He had just done Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura and The Mask. He was on a hell of a run. See, because I was thinking The Mask, but then I was like, no, that song's not in there. Oh, Jim Carrey. It's not Ace Ventura. No. Batman. Batman what? Forever. Yes. Are you looking up his filmography, though? That doesn't count. No. Okay. Because is that the um, is that the George Clooney one? No. no. That's Batman B. Uh, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Batman Begins? Yeah, George. Uh, what Batman movie is that? That is Batman and Robin. Is it? Yeah. No, it's Val Kilmer. Nicole Kidman is in it. Yep. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. Uma Thurman. No, uh, Nicole Kidman's just plays some doctor. Oh, uh, Uma yeah, Uma Thurman yeah. plays Poison Ivy in the next one, which is widely regarded as the worst Batman movie ever made. The one with Jim Carrey? No, the one with George Clooney. Yeah, because it, it is. And he had that nipple suit. Yeah. Because I was... <laughs> <laughs> you can see like his rock hard nipples. Nope. <laughs> wow. Just a single sneeze? Yeah, unheard of, right? It happens <laughs> yeah. every once in a while. Blitz is going to get got. You might. Karma. 